Welcome to the Rated Rabbi Sports Card Podcast, where sports cards and pop culture meet the 1984 All-Star Game. I am your host, Rabbi David Spinrad, and welcome to episode 10, Introducing the National League. Where have we been so far? Well, we started with the why. What the heck am I doing in my basement talking to myself about baseball cards in a game long forgotten? Well, I'm collecting a PSA master set, an 80-card master set of said long forgotten game, 60-man rosters, 10 from the coaching staffs, two honorary captains, two first pitches, five announcers, and in the seats, the Yankee Clipper, Joe DiMaggio, making 80 cards. I'm almost there. I can't wait to share that finished set with you. Then we looked at the 84 tops in our second episode, The Design. Not one of my top sets of the decade, but it's all right. Way better than 1981. I think you would agree. Then we moved on to those who were not there, missing you, the Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers who are not a part of the festivities on July 10th, 1984 at Candlestick Park. Then we devoted a whole episode to Daryl Strawberry. That was one of my favorites. We then looked into the visitors' rosters, two episodes, dived into all sorts of minutia and arcana, and it was fun. And then we did episode, whatever episode it was, episode uh, seven, it was called You Never Know, dedicated to the one and only Joaquin Andujar. The last two episodes I focused on the National League rosters, and this one, episode 10, will take that NL roster home. Let's run down the lineup. Leading off for the National League, San Diego Padres leading the NL, hitting at 355 at the break. Tony Gwynn, who moves from right to left in deference to Straw, leading outfielders in votes. Batting second from the Chicago Cubs, second baseman Ryan Sandberg, batting third. I want to boo even before I say his name from the San Diego Padres, the leading vote getter in the entire major leagues that year in the all-star game. First baseman, boo, Steve Garvey batting fourth center fielder from the Atlanta Braves, two-time defending MVP, Dale Murphy. Sidebar on Dale Murphy. He had a little like that little mole on his cheek. Remember in an early episode, I was talking about like, why is a like a little tiny gap sexy? Not a big one, a little gap in a, in a woman's uh, in her teeth. Or like, why do some people love a dimple in the chin? Same thing. Why is a mole? Why do people think? But like, not too big a mole. Actually, I wonder at what point does the mole go? Oh, that that's kind of sexy. A little mole on her cheek to like too big. What's the diameter? Is it maybe like maybe like. One centimeter is pretty big. So it's like a half a centimeter okay. Is it more than one? Like, ew, she got a hair coming out of that thing. <laughs> anyway, anyway, back to the lineup. Batting fifth announced as his six-time NL home run king. He led the major leagues in home runs in the 1980s from the Philadelphia Phillies. Third baseman, Michael Jack Schmidt. Batting sixth. 
Oh, Daryl Strawberry playing right field from the New York Mets, batting seventh. Ultimately, would be a seven-time NL All-Star, All-Star MVP in 1981. He would win the All-Star MVP in this 84 Midsummer Classic from the Montreal Expos. The kid, Gary Carter, batting eighth, announced as a four-time Gold Glover from the St. Louis Cardinals shortstop Ozzy Smith will come back because Ozzy runs that four-time gold glove to 13 consecutive gold gloves in his career. We'll come on back to him a little later. And down in the home team's bullpen warming up, starting for the National League from the Montreal Expos, a right-hander, Charlie Lee. Five Hall of Famers. In that NL starting lineup, you had Gwynn, you had Sandberg, you had Schmidt, you had Gary Carter, you had Ozzie Smith. We're not going to focus on any of them today. Instead, we're going to focus on two players who really helped to define the eras in which they played, although neither made it to the hall. I'm talking about, of course, first baseman Steve Garvey and center fielder. Dale Murphy. I cannot overstate to you how hugely popular Steve Garvey was during his playing career. Year in, year out, he would lead in in votes at the All-Star game. He actually, check this out, he ends up being a 10-time All-Star in his career. Let's look at some cards, shall we? That one up top, that's his 74 tops. Garvey makes the all-star team. Garvey is actually an all-star starter as a write-in in in 1974, only the second player in the history of all-star balloting to be written in as a starter. The first for the Atlanta Braves in 1970 was Rico Cardi, but this one belongs to Garvey. Not only is he a write-in all-star in 1974, not only... Does he play in the World Series on the Dodgers against the Oakland A's? Steve Garvey is your National League most valuable player. He wins one MVP across his career. He wins four gold gloves in his career. Twice Garvey is the National League Champion Series MVP. And in addition to playing in that Dodger World Series, In 74, he also plays for the Dodgers against all three times the Yankees in 77, 78, the strike-shortened season of 1981. And then, of course, he'll play with the Padres against the Tigers in the 1984 World Series. Steve Garvey wins the 1981 Roberto Clemente Award for Outstanding Sportsmanship. And, of course, who can forget? for eight and a half seasons, still to this day, a major league record. Steve Garvey formed an infield that included Davey Lopes at second base, Ron Say at third base, and Bill Russell at short. The four of them, Garvey, Lopes, Say, and Russell, eight and a half seasons together, day in, day out, and I hated each and every one of them. Ugh, one after another. I just wanted to like, 
punch Ron Say in the face, <laughs> like little me, like, ah, you're a day, whatever, kid. Here's a double with the bags juiced against your giants. So Garvey, hugely popular. There was always a little jealousy from his teammates. And they also sort of doubted his authenticity. Some said that he was a bit of a bit of a phony to get the attention from from the media and from the fans and led to endorsements. They thought he was a little bit of a of a phony. Who knows? Came to the head in 1978 in the clubhouse. Don Sutton went after him. They just had been getting out. He, they say Garvey's getting all the attention, and you know it was just bad blood. They get into a brawl in the clubhouse. Steve Garvey throws Don Sutton perm and all. Check out the seventy-eight. That's a perm. <laughs> throws him perm and all into Tommy John's locker, and in a detail that I was surprised anybody would have taken the time to count. It is said that there were 96 baseballs in Tommy John's locker and all of them came spilling out. You imagine Garvey and Sutton as like a, like a little country club brawl between the two of them. Little, ugh. Was not in doubt. What there cannot be any debate in regards to is the, the shield of the 1978 tops is supreme it is the very best all-star emblem of all time better than any banners the red the white the blue the red denoting nl or al the white just pure beautiful all-star and at the bottom the pitcher the first baseman the outfielder whatever is said position oh so good anyway after the 82 season, the Dodgers decline to re-sign Steve Garvey. He leaves as a free agent, signs a big contract with Ray Kroc. Jack McKeon is the GM. Jack McKeon will come down and actually take over in the dugout as manager, lead them to that 84 World Series. So Garvey leaves the Dodgers, gets five years, $6.6 million, goes over there very early in the season, back in Dodger Stadium for the very first time. Garvey breaks the all-time National League consecutive game streak, formerly held by Billy Williams. Garvey Breaks his record, goes on to set that record, 1,207 games until he busted up his thumb in a, in a collision at home. So Garvey becomes a team leader in San Diego. He was always one in L.A., but it's different. He's a veteran in San Diego. They look to him. They respect him. They know that he's been through four World Series. He knows what it takes to win. And you can look this up. Garvey was clutch in the playoffs you don't win that NLCS MVP for nothing. Check out his numbers. 350 average, drove in a ton of runs. 1984, it all starts to come together for the Padres. They add players like Carmelo Martinez. Remember him? And uh, they win the West behind great lineup. So they go into the NLCS. They're playing the Chicago Cubs. They're down two games to none. 
They fly across from Chicago out to San Diego, the land the airport, and everyone is there. They're down zero two. There's not a lot of sports highlights in San Diego history. And everyone is wearing these Cub Busters. What's the biggest movie? 1984. Come on. Ghostbusters. So they're all wearing Cub Busters t-shirts. They made a song. Who are you going to call? Cub Busters. It's not up there with the uh, Super Bowl shuffle, but I remember that. For some ridiculous reason, I can't remember my anniversary or the birthdays of my kids, but I remember the Cub Busters theme song, San Diego Padres, 1984. Anyway, Cubs traveling to San Diego, returning home. Oh, such a beautiful city. Game three, Kevin McReynolds hits a big home run. The mustachio greatness of Eddie Whitson carries the day. Padres win game three, now down Two to one, game four, they come back. And this is one of the great moments in Padres history. In the third, Garvey hits a double, drives in Alan Wiggins. So Alan Wiggins, leadoff hitter, could fly, stole 60 bases, I think, in 1982 or 83. Uh, Alan Wiggins was a spark plug, but Alan Wiggins, unfortunately, had a drug problem. Uh, and Alan Wiggins uh, died of AIDS, 1990. Now, interestingly, uh, when I was in college, uh, I went to uh, UC Davis and I played football with uh, and was a roommate, like was shared an apartment with uh, Alan Wiggins's younger brother, Keith Wiggins. Um, and I remember, I remember when Alan Wiggins died and I remember Keith going down to LA for the funeral. It's so trippy. Think about that now. Like what a thing that was. It was just like my roommate's brother died of AIDS and he used to play baseball, but it was Alan Wiggins. Um, plays a big part, big part on this 84 team. Side note, did you know that only two players went to Alan Wiggins' funeral? The first one was Lee Lacey, who was a teammate of his when he played with the Baltimore Orioles, the second one, the subject of this segment, Steve Garvey was a mensch. Garvey went to Alan Wiggins' funeral, and that, that deserves to be mentioned. So anyways, Garvey gets that double drives in. Wiggins in the third comes up again in the fifth. Base hit drives in another run to tie in the seventh after an intentional walk to Tony Gwynn. Garvey gets another base hit, another RBI. Gossage comes in in the eighth. Back then, closers pitched more than an inning. Comes in and blows up the blows up, loses the lead. Game is tied. Lee Smith comes in bottom of the ninth, trying to preserve that tie. He's throwing 99 miles an hour. Gas! Bottom of the ninth. Gwynn gets another base hit. Garvey up at the plate. Remember, in the third, he doubled home Wiggins. In the fifth, he got a base hit to tie it. In the, <laughs> in the eighth, he does it again. Another base hit, another RBI, and here we are in the bottom of the ninth. Gwynn on first. Lee Smith on the hill, that, oh, that big old like menacing scalp, throws Garvey a fastball, and here is the call from Don Drysdale. Deep right field, way back, Cotto back to the wall, 
It's gone! Home run, Gary! There will be tomorrow! Oh my God, unbelievable. He's rounding first pitch. Remember, he's like, that, 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 that fist raised up, arm like Popeye. Dude, that dude has some, not only like big forearms, but like also rather hairy forearms. I remember Garvey had like the furry hair arm. So he ran, got that arm up, not like, you know, Heil Hitler. He's got the, like a, like a fist. Thank God. He's running around the base, comes in. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Padres win game five on an error by Leon Durham. Check this out. Leon Durham is acquired, making Bill Buckner expendable. That's how he ends up game six in the 86 World Series. There's a little ball through a leg, ripple effect, butterfly effect in baseball. God, I'm a doofus. Remember that game five, though? Remember that Durham ball through his legs like Buckner? Kind of uh, Buckner takes the heat. No one ever talks about the bull, Leon Durham. Anyway, what else about Steve Garvey? Steve Garvey, you know, not only was he like kind of Mr. All-America, his wife was uh, Miss America. Remember Cindy Garvey, the players' wives, hated her. Oh, my God. You know, they go through a super messy divorce. Who does Cindy Garvey take up with? None other than marvelous Marvin Hamlish. Again, why do I know this stuff? I don't know. I just do. Uh, what else can I tell you? Well, Garvey himself has some other problems off the field. Is a thing with his secretary, gets her pregnant. Another woman gets her pregnant. And all of a sudden, this like, kind of like Mr. Clean, all-American guy gets a little, a little tarnish on his shine. Still, you can't tell the story of baseball in 1980s or the 70s without Steve Garvey. Last note on Garvey before we move it along. The first season after Garvey retires, the Padres retire as number six. However, after all he did for the Dodgers, I can't, I'm, look at me, I'm, I'm advocating for Steve Garvey here. Okay, so after all he did for the Los Angeles Dodgers, Garvey never gets his number retired by the Dodgers, citing official policy. They only retire Hall of Famers, even though for 21 years, nobody wore number six, but they never retired Garvey's number. <sighs> Why do I care? But he might deserve it. He did some big things. Also, one of those guys, a very, very good Hall of Fame, not in the Hall. But again, like I said, I can't imagine baseball and like those those glory years when I was a kid, late 70s, early 80s. Like Garvey was was everywhere, man. He was whew. all right, take a breath, Dave. Let's bring it back. What do you remember about Steve Garvey? He was clutch. Darn good player. Squeaky clean. As a Giants fan, he was really, he was wonderful to hate because my most hated team, and he was like, just like a very hateable, very hateable guy. And nevertheless, all right. Let's move on to someone I don't think anybody has ever hated, and that is Dale Murphy. Murphy has an awesome peak. Yeah. 
Two-time MVP, 1982-1983. Five-time Gold Glove winner, 82-86. to Four-time Silver Slugger, 82-85. to I'm a sucker for the hardware. Check out his numbers in 82, that first MVP. 36 home runs, 109 runs driven in. Scores 113 runs. Steals 23 bases, has a 378 on base percentage and a 507 slough. Big number, pre-steroid numbers, by the way, and also supplementation and workouts. It was just a different ball game. 83, he comes on, he comes back even better. Again, comes with 36 home runs. This time drives in 121, scores 131 runs, steals 30 bags. Murph is a 30-30 in 83. Hits 302 with a 393 on base, a 540 slug, and an OPS of 933. So when he takes the field, center field, the coolest of all outfield positions, Although right field cannon is pretty cool, but center field is like you're the center fielder. It's the coolest position for sure. He's on top of the world. But little did we know that peak would be high and very steep. Went up and went back down. You might remember Murphy's one of those guys who appears on two, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, Topps rookie cards. He's on the 78 and the 77 and the 78 Topps rookie catchers but he doesn't really figure it out as a catcher he's not a great defensive player they try him uh, at first base in 78 in 1980 he finally moves to the outfield eventually finds his home in center and really blossoms into an all-around star career war of 46.5 but again big up and remember it took him a while for it to earn his prospect status he didn't do wasn't great early on but way up and it really goes back just down. I mean, by 1988, uh, you know, his average in 87 was 295. In 88, it's 226. 87, he has a peak home run. That was a big home run year, by the way, 87. Mark McGuire, Andre Dawson. Something was in the balls in 1987. McGuire was hit 49 as a rookie. Dawson wins the MVP at, I think he hits 47 or something. So Murphy hits 44 with some kind of juiced ball. But in 88, he goes down to 24 home runs. He'll never again be an all-star. He'll never again earn a gold glove. He'll never know the joy and satisfaction of getting the silver slugger. August 3rd, 1990, Braves trade Dale Murphy to Philly. Phillies don't get much for him in return. He plays a lot. He's 153 games in 91, but by 92, he diminishes. 1993, he ends up with the expansion Colorado Rockies, only appears in 26 games. Rocks are set to release Murphy. They go to him first and they give him a choice, and Murphy decides, I'd rather retire than be released. Wow. I mean, just meteor through the sky. You know you think of Dale Murphy when you think of 1980s baseball. This is why. Because the 1980s, Dale Murphy led the National League in games played. Dale Murphy led him in at-bats, runs, hits, extra base hits, RBIs, runs created, total bases, plate appearances. His 308 home runs are just behind Mike Schmidt's 313. Again, that 30-30 in 83. 
And in the 1980s, he plays in 740 consecutive games. That's a heck of a run. So he's not in the Hall of Fame. Garvey's not in the Hall of Fame. But my, oh my, it feels so good to remember these guys. Let's look at some Murphy cards, shall we? I kept it simple. Went with his 84. Basic batting stance. 83 is my favorite. There's something about that car that I've always loved. Don't have it to show today. But 84, basic batting stance, spring training. I like the number three on the shoulder, that look. I had a little fun. I wanted to bring uh, two other cards. We've got his 86, two combo cards, two 86 Fleer Super Special Stars, or is it Special Superstars? Whatever. The first one is that Braves dynamic duo with Bob Horner. I always liked Bob Horner. Kind of like a little like, hungover, playing third, like a little burly. Remember that uh, year he hit four home runs in one game? That actually was 86 because there's an 87 Fleer that – that nice light blue flare when he's holding the balls and it says count them four in one game. That's 87. Got to find that card. And then the other card gets both of our subjects on a single frame, right? You've got Dale Murphy and you've got Steve Garvey. Look how short Garvey is compared to, to Murphy. And I'll be honest, if you know me, you know I love the Cobra. <laughs> so I couldn't resist putting a little gratuitous Dave Parker on the screen there. So Parker was was sober and had this great rebound with the Cincinnati Reds. A little that's a nice combo card. Dale Murphy, Mike, Dale Murphy, Steve Garvey, and Dave Parker. Cobra gonna get ya. So one more thing I want to say about Dale Murphy before I get out of here. I always really, when I was a kid, really admired his clean living. Right. Like he just was this total mensch. He, I remember going to Candlestick and him coming out where the player's lot that was fenced off. He'd come to the fence and he'd come out with us and he would sign and sign and sign, sign all of our autographs. So just such a nice guy, like genuinely cared about kids. And I've heard that just as all throughout anyone who's ever said that about Murph said he's just a great guy. You know, Murphy didn't, he didn't drink, he didn't and doesn't or smoke, or curse. And I remember being a little kid, 12, 13 years old, go, I wonder, that's going to be me too. I'm, I'm never going to drink, or smoke, or curse. <laughs> With my family? No, man, we're not Mormons like Murphy. We're Jewish. Not drinking, smoking, cursing, that might be in the DNA. Still, I love Dale Murphy, one of my favorite players when I was a kid. Wins the Lou Gehrig Man of the Award in 85, shares the Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year in 87. Like Garvey in 81, Murphy wins the Clemente Award for Sportsmanship in 88. Never gets to the hall. His candidacy peaked in 2000 when he gets 23% of the vote. But who knows? You know, maybe someday like uh, like Garvey, he'll, uh, he'll get the call. I mean... Like I said, that's part of the story of the 1980s, these guys. And um, I don't know, maybe I'm softening. Maybe I shouldn't be so judgy of who should and shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Maybe I should let my, my heart talk a little more. Anyway, that's way more than enough from me. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're digging this, give me a like, maybe a comment, maybe subscribe. Would it kill you to subscribe? But best of all, tell somebody. Hey, check this out. There's this dork in the garage uh, in his basement all by himself, and he's talking about the 1984 All-Star Game. 
You're going to like it. Check it out. <laughs> Until then, everybody have a wonderful weekend. If it is your thing, Shabbat Shalom. And to everyone, may you enjoy health and long life. So long.